0: Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGallaghan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge, and happy Halloween. (laughs) All right, that's enough of that. The music's fine, but it's enough of the the voice. Thank you very much. Hey, I've got a real treat for you. No tricks, just treats on this Halloween. Jody Shelley is on assignment in New York doing some NHL Network stuff. Jean-Luc Grandpierre filling in on this week's show. How are you, buddy?
1: I am great. Great, great, great. Halloween day, excited. Yeah. About to pass some candy if I don't eat half the bucket myself. <laughs> I joke, I joke.
0: That is, No, that is the battle. That That's is right. the battle. We were in Dallas last night, and um, I'm walking through the press box, and they had a big bag of candy sitting there. Like, what are you supposed to do? Go by? Just go by and not do anything? You can't stop. No. You, you can't stop. Go to the
1: bathroom. Oh, grab a few more. And then after
0: I got the candy and I ate the candy, then I realized there were chicken fingers. And then you know it's just it's a never-ending cycle. That's true. Jody always calls it the NHL, the never-hungry league. That's and right. He's pretty right. Pretty the right rough life that.
1: of being on the road.
0: It, it is. It's it's tough. It is tough. Somebody's got to do it. Uh, <laughs> the Blue Jackets last night losing in Dallas to the Stars, five to three, was the final score in that game. Um, today, the Blue Jackets had a hard practice after that loss. Pascal Vincent wasn't happy last night when it was over. Uh, he made that very clear. He felt that he had some passengers, and he didn't have enough people that were trying to drive the bus last night. Some were just along for the ride, and uh, had another hard practice. It was very similar to the one they had after they were shut out by the Detroit Red Wings, four to nothing. But John Luke, uh, once again, here's Pascal, who is a first-year NHL head coach. He's preaching accountability, but he's not just talking the talk. I mean, they're they're going to do it. One way or the other, he's going to make them do it. And we saw that earlier today.
1: Uh, yes, and uh, another hard one to watch. To be honest with you, it was another perk of being just uh, you know on the sideline watching and not being on the ice as a former player. But uh, the thing with Pascal Vincent is, it has nothing to do with the score. Right? This game was tight yesterday. Blue Jackets at the lead for a little bit. He wants to get this thing right, and he's not thinking short term here. He talked about like in four or five years if he's still there, joking, but it's true he wants to create a habit for these young players that is going to stick not just for the season he's thinking playoffs in the future and all that stuff and the earlier you can learn it the better this whole team is going to be about it and there's a standard like you said that he's trying to establish right now it is not easy to do especially as a first year coach but I'm glad he's taking that stance because I think that's what the organization needs right now
0: as a former player when you're sitting in the stands and you're watching that practice and, and you watched the game last night. You know, what's, you know what's going on. And as a veteran player, you kind of know what's coming, don't you, in those situations?
1: You kind of know what's coming. Uh, and I think the veteran players know it's coming. You know, the young guys, probably not so much because they haven't necessarily gone through that. But you really don't know how much you can push until you're pushed to that limit as a player. And that's what he's try to establish in practice. By practicing hard – All of a sudden, the games are going to become easier because you're like, now I want to play games because the games are easy and the practices are hard, right? So, And the practice is going to get lighter and lighter as the schedule gets a little heavier. But right now, it's about setting that tone, that expectation for everyone, all 20 players, to be in every single night.
0: Well, when you look at it, the Blue Jackets have lost four straight games. However, they did go to overtime in two of those four games, so they picked up points in two of them. But they... uh, but it's that whole consistency thing you're talking about. I asked Pascal yesterday during the uh, the pregame interview I did with him about playing the, – the schedule's getting harder here. And and when I say that, I remember that the Blue Jackets did finish next to last, last year, right? So if you go by that standard, every game is going to be hard. But the fact of the matter is what you're looking at – last night you saw a Dallas team that has only one loss in regulation. Uh, you've got a Tampa Bay team coming in here – in a couple of days, you know, a team that went to the Stanley Cup final three times in a row and won a couple of cups in the last few years. So uh, the, the caliber of the opponent goes up. And he said that one of the good things about that was he would really be able to measure or get a better idea about some of his players. Look, you know what Johnny Gaudreau is. You know what Erica Branson is. You know what Boone Jenner is. But the Adam Fantilli's, the Kent Johnsons, the Cole Sillingers – um, and, and they're not the only ones, but there. Marchenko is another guy. He's been waiting to get back into the lineup. You want to find out what do I really have with these kind of guys and these types of games. You get the matchups that it'll tell you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's kind of an evaluation as well for the coaching staff uh, to see where the team is as a whole, but you know where each individual player is as well. And it's funny that you brought the Tampa Bay Lightning. We all remember the run the Tampa Bay Lightning had that one year, and then they get eliminated in the first round by Blue Jackets. And that's one thing that Pascal Vincent is talking about, is creating the right habit to be ready for the playoffs. And John Cooper did that, which is why they won two cups, you know, in three years after that, because regular season hockey and playoff hockey are two different things. Now, you cannot play playoff hockey for 82 games, but early in the year, you want to establish that line to understand what it is really to push yourself to the max and understand what your limits are. And obviously, as a coach, he's realistic. He knows they're not going to go 73-0 you know, and 0 for the rest of the season, but it's more than the score. It's just about what he's seeing from his players. And he said it. Mistakes are going to happen. It is part of the game, but to him, it's not the mistakes. It's like just simple things like effort that he expects everybody to be all in at all times.
0: Well, and one of the guys that uh, is kind of getting into the focus here is Johnny Gaudreau, and I had solicited to to earlier today for people that wanted to ask questions of us on this show uh, tonight on X. I still want to say Twitter all the time, on X. But anyway, here, here was one question from Hungry, which is exactly what we were talking about to start this show. Uh, it says, can we have a conversation about Johnny Gaudreau's lack of production? He's on a 36-point pace this year with zero goals through nine games. Um, Should guys like him, Texier, et cetera, be lowered in the lineup or scratched for poor output? Pascal Vincent was asked about Johnny Gaudreau specifically this morning or this afternoon, early this afternoon after practice, and he said that last night for the first time he really felt that Johnny was pushing it, maybe trying to do too much because, look, when you're a prolific scorer and you go seven games, eight games, nine games, and there's still a goose egg in that goal column, yeah, you, you can say whatever you want to, but, I mean, in your head, you're starting to be like, come on, it's time to get a goal.
1: Yeah, definitely, and, the, you know, I've never been a goal scorer, but I can tell you, the net is getting smaller and smaller and smaller every game, and every goaltender is getting bigger and bigger, and that's how it is with confidence. Uh, you know, we as human being, we're a creature of habit and for johnny it's the same thing he's been used to scoring 40 goals 20 some goals every year and now there he is nine games in without a goal it becomes frustrating and off of course you're going to start to press it's a net you know every single human is going to do it so i'm not quite worried yet about johnny goodrell's offensive output i think is going to come now if we see him starting to you know Swear away from his game. That's when the real trouble really starts. But for Gaudreau right now, I think he's just got to keep going. And something else that—that that is not part of his game, but most of his goals are from close range. And you need traffic because Johnny goudreau does not have a release like Patrick Line. They are a certain NHL player. He doesn't have the strongest shot. He's just very precise about it. But those goaltenders are so good now. You need traffic at the net all the time. Which. Maybe one of the reasons why Voronkov was on his line in the third period because you talk about a big man that can take the goalie's eyes. It is definitely Dmitry Voronkov.
0: Yeah, he can take away his eyes and his head and his arms and his legs. <laughs> like and and, and it creates room
1: for Johnny, exactly, right. because yeah. you put Voronkov in front of the net, all of a sudden there's one, maybe two guys on him. Now that upper slot area is a little more, op- a little more open for Johnny.
0: Dmitry Voronkov also got his first NHL goal last night. In the first period. Um, It's a highlight goal because it was his first. It was funny. I was talking to some people in the press box, and they said, well, I wonder how that goal will change over the years because it kind of, like, goes off of him, and it winds up in the net. And, you know, somebody said, well, you know, as time goes on, it'll be – Well, I was in perfect position. It happened to hit Joe Pavelski, pretty good player. and (laughs) You know what I mean? But, look, they all count, and that's the point of it. And that's what Pascal is is preaching. That's another thing I talked to him yesterday about. You know, there's this tendency that everybody wants this highlight goal. Uh, You know, they want to tic-tac-toe pass it, and it's a pretty thing. And as you just said, the goaltenders are so good, they don't give up that stuff very often.
1: Not very often, and, you know, that may be some a goal that uh, like that that Johnny Goudreau needs and Texie needs. Something is just going to go off their shin pad, et cetera, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I got one, then an empty net, next thing you know you're on a goal streak, right? But for Voronkov. I would say get used to it. I mean, this is like, (laughs) I'm looking at him on the ice, and he he looks like a young Boone Jenner. If Boone was 6 inches and 70 pounds or heavier, that's what he looks like. That's his game. Close range around the goaltender. He's going to derange the defense every single time he's on the ice. He's not going to come in with a fancy toe drag, 360 deke. He knows his game, and that's what Pascal Vincent wants from him. Just chaos, pure chaos. Russian chaos right in the slot.
0: I can't wait till he does a three sixty. I can't <laughs> wait. Probably will. I'm gonna I say, mean, see that you said he couldn't do it. I mean,
1: George LaRock <laughs> La did it in the past when he got his hat trick. So you never know. <laughs> hey, here's a question from
0: Will it says: Obviously, the Blue Jackets have lost four in a row, but three of those four games they outshot their opponents and they kept the games close. And they faced a 939 save percentage from opposing goalies. What is Pascal Vincent saying to the players so that they don't get discouraged? I think he is. You know, his message has been. Dead on. I, he, he's making sure they're not getting discouraged. But look, it's human nature, right? You're out shooting your opponent every day, and you're losing those games. It does get frustrating.
1: It does. And uh, the nine thirty-nine save percentage is a little concerning as a coach. And he did mention after the New York uh, Islanders game that he did not like the shot selection, which means we said we just said it. If the goalies can see it, they got to make the save now. So that means more traffic to the net. So you get more second chance opportunities and more traffic deflection etc so I think that's the thing that wants to change that needs to change with the blue jackets but yeah 940 save percentage against is really high and it's we know it's not from a lack of talent so at some point you got to make some adjustment which he's working on and it will unlock
0: yeah and it's again I think it just all kind of goes back to what you were talking about with Johnny I mean it's uh once it starts to work it just starts
1: to work It, it really does and again Never been a goal scorer, so I can't tell you what the feeling is, but it is just something that these guys, you know, they kind of like anything in life. If you can ride a bike, right, when you first learn how to ride a bike versus 10 years later, imagine if you get on your bike tomorrow morning and you, you realize you can't ride anymore. You're going to start try to force things and change things. Like, I've, I've done it all, my whole life. How is this not working right now? Try new things, but at the end of the day, all you have to do is pedal, right? Yeah,
0: pedal. Right, <laughs> pedal and don't fall over. It's really simple when you break it down. Well, we're talking all about these goaltenders and how good the goaltending is around the league. And coming up next, we're going to have a goaltender on our show. That that was a prerequisite. Uh, Jean-Luc said, look, if I'm going to co-host, we've got to have a goaltender on the show because i got to pick up every tip that I can get so that when I go to play adult league again, I, I'm going to have a new trick up my sleeve. So Spencer Martin is going to join us, and we'll see what we can find out to to try to help your game.
1: Yeah, I, I'm really curious. Listen, this is a guy that uh, most Blue Jackets fans are not too familiar with, so I'm looking forward to talk to him.
0: All right, Spencer Martin is going to be with us as the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. It's presented by First Merchants Bank. I'm Bob McEllig John LeGrand-Pierre sitting in for Jody Shelley here tonight. And we are pleased to be joined by Blue Jackets goaltender Spencer Martin right now. And Spencer, you've only been here for a couple of weeks. And we'll talk about your career and, and where you've been. But you were in Vancouver. You got picked up on waivers during the, uh, the preseason. Are you finally settled in to Columbus? Have, have you been able to get your life off the ice in order? Because that's what... Nobody seems to care about on the outside. They just want you to stop pucks, right? The fans are like, hey, just stop the puck. Don't worry about it. You need a place to live and how you got to get here and there. But ha- have you become acclimated now?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, like, right away. It was uh, the, the organization did a great job, but also just, like, my teammates made me feel at home when I got here. Um, and then my family's only five and a half hours roughly away, so uh, feels close to home and uh, we're starting to settle down although we've been so busy that I haven't really got to check out much around the town but feels good.
1: but uh, you know that's a great question because typically you get traded and you know how to get to the practice rink uh, the game rink, which you know here both are in the same place and in the airport. that's about all I knew when I got traded in the past to be honest with you but as far as Columbus itself, what have you been able to look at and see or places that you enjoy so far?
2: I've been out to uh, German Village, okay. a couple spots there, uh, short north. I don't want to mess anything up. No, I mean, you're good. Uh, you're two it, for uh, two right now. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, so basically, like you said, the You've arena been Easton district. Yet?
1: Easton, have you been there yet? No. no.
2: And I went out to Golden Eagle or uh, Double Eagle Yep, for, uh, for the golf event, so uh, some great spots already, but... Everybody, you know, they they have a lot of uh, spots for me to check out. I just haven't been able to get to yet. Yeah,
0: so that's what I found when I moved here. It's been a long time ago now. But I got here, and, like, when we were looking for a house, it was everybody in this office was like, oh, you need to live in in the suburb I live in. Or, oh, you should live in our neighborhood. I remember saying to my wife, I've never gone somewhere where people are like, You know, competing as far as we've got the best. uh, This is the greatest area and stuff like that. And that's just the way the people here are. And I, I imagine you're already getting that vibe.
2: Yeah, uh, the guys are spread out too. There's some guys downtown. There's some guys out in New Albany. And uh, yeah, they're 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 all having their uh, doing their campaigning. But for now, (laughs) like I'm, I've just been super focused on day to day. So. He said, "I've only been here for a few weeks, but it feels like I've been here for a while because, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying my time."
0: Well, the good thing is, not you're not just here. You're getting into games. You're playing, and you're getting some meaningful minutes uh, as soon as you come over. And I would imagine you appreciate that because when you go to a new organization, um, you just there's always a question of how they're going to use me, what's going to happen here, and and you've like I said, you've already gotten to some games and some big games early on.
2: Yeah, the opportunity has been there, and like they've shown trust to, to give me those opportunities. And uh, yeah, you just want to you know make the most of them and, and, and earn more. Um, yeah.
1: Well, as we're talking about opportunities, your first real break. So you're drafting in the third round, and then it took a while for you to really get consistent NHL play. Your first real break, twenty one, twenty two. You know, one of the few beneficiary of COVID was you know Spencer because. Both goaltender Damco and Halak, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, get COVID, you get called up, you play six games, you go 3-0-3, 174, uh, you know, say, uh, uh, goals against average, and a 950 save percentage. That was your first real break. Do you feel like you're getting an opportunity here that you really want to seize and establish yourself for a long term with the Blue Jackets?
2: Yeah, I think as a goaltender, like, you pretty much have to start on the right foot to, to stick, you know what I mean? So like, obviously there's that pressure there to, to have that type of impact right away. Um, like, yeah, like you said, I got that little break there that, you know, you basically need in this league. It's that tough to break in. So, um, you know, right now uh, there's an opportunity to get some, some playing time so far. And, uh, you know, I've been s- somewhat satisfied with how I've performed, but I, at the same time, I really want to start converting some wins. And like, um, you know, my teammates are just, it's a hardworking group. And it's a focused coaching staff, and everybody really, really is establishing our, our culture here. So, uh, you know, I want to be right, up, you know, a part of that.
0: That's all. Is there something you know th- that he knows those numbers? Like he didn't look that up; he <laughs> just knows all of that.
1: <laughs> well, maybe we should, we should. He doesn't know me much, so <laughs> career defenseman. I, I, I was but, trying to build you up there. Yeah, so I he, was <laughs> born as a goaltender in my mind, so I always want to be a goalie. But then we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> but my parents didn't want me to be a goalie; they want me to move around a little bit more. So. After retiring, I got goalie gear, and I'm, I'm the goalie guru around here now. So wow, I really, backwards there. really enjoy <laughs> goaltending. Depends so. how you look at it. That's right. Think of all the money his parents <laughs> saved on buying that gear. all was like,
0: my son was a goalie. I know. I, he did it the right way.
1: Actually, you know what? Let's just jump right here. So what made you want to be a goaltender? Like, what really, like, as a kid, you know, you're skating around yeah. the pond, and then you're like, am I sick of skating? What made you want to be a goalie? <laughs> well, I think it was
2: two things. Most importantly, I was kind of the youngest on my street for road hockey purposes, so that means you're kind of stuck in that. But I also just loved it, and I loved uh, I was a, you know a Leafs fan growing up in uh, in Burlington, and uh, Curtis Joseph was kind of the guy I looked up to, and uh, I was mimicking him in front of the TV with a mini stick net, so that's where I started. And yeah, I, I never played out, so I never don't know anything out. different.
1: So how do you play the puck so well? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Everybody's going to turn kidding. it over once in a while. Yeah, don't, yeah,
1: don't, no, no. don't blame yourself. For um,
2: well, I just think it's confidence and also just uh, getting, communicating with your teammates, like feeling comfortable and, and uh, building that relationship and confidence. That's what makes it feel seamless. Um, you know, and just, I, I'm a, a hockey geek, so I watch games. I mean, you're going to see what's open and what's not here and there night after night, and so... Uh, I don't know if it's, like, more skill. It's less skills and just more just, like, studying and trying to, to figure out, like, what kind of forechecks are coming in. So.
0: And it, and it, it, you could be such a weapon in that, right? I mean, when you do it right, um, you, you could be that third defenseman. You can help. It. Pascal's always talking about the, the transition game breaking out. And when you're doing it right, you could be a big part of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, even for defensemen, they're trying to keep it simple and make it, you know, this – first easy pass and get it going. And I'm even the more exaggerated version of that. I want to just literally, you know, do the least I can do to just, you know, be almost invisible back there making plays. But yeah, like if I can stop it and make a simple play, that's, that's what I'm looking to do.
1: You talked about Cujo, uh, Toronto Maple Leaf, Curtis Joseph, that is. Uh, And I remember he was probably the one goaltender that could read players more than anybody else uh, out there. As a goaltender today's in today's NHL, although you know tendencies, you say you're a hockey geek, do you watch video to see, like, what tendencies each player has, or is that something that it's more like react to whatever comes your way?
2: Yeah, I think you can get caught up a little bit in, uh, you know, over, like, reading into tendencies. And, like, you, you can definitely look at power plays, and I think, like, You know, you see what worked a few nights before. The the chances are they're going to go back to it again. Or like, you know, like last game we played Bo uh, Horvat. And like I'd seen him last year, obviously, in Vancouver. That shot where, you know, the the half wall into the middle pocket. That's a shot that's going to come at least once a game. But uh, yeah, like I still want to be reactive. I don't want to be almost guessing or anticipating something and end up screwing myself up.
0: We're talking with Blue Jackets goaltender Spencer Martin. We'll have more with him in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you, Thursday night, the Blue Jackets will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The puck will drop at 7 o'clock. It is Science of Hockey Night, presented by COSI. Get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com slash on sale. This is the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank. I want to remind you, Blue Jackets ticket plans start as low as eight games with savings of up to 40%. You choose the games that you want for the matchups that you have to see. To learn more, go to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. We are joined tonight by Blue Jackets goaltender Spencer Martin. John Luke said earlier you were a third-round pick, and it's kind of funny. Like When you look at position players and the guys get picked in the third round, you figure, well, there's a pretty good chance this guy's going to play in the NHL someday you know for how long that's up to him but you know that's pretty high draft pick. goalies are different because there's only two of you on every team right so there there is that battle you first you got to get drafted then you, you got to get in and then you got to get the opportunity like you were talking about um what is that that mindset and that battle like I mean you, you do so well a junior and then you get drafted and, and then you get into that program pro game and then it's really the fight and it's just not on the ice it's a mental battle off the ice too.
2: Yeah, it, it's very difficult. Obviously, you have to be kind of blessed just to get an opportunity. So that's kind of how I feel. And like I think for goalies, they kind of have to do the work when you're not getting the opportunity so that when they come, you're, you're 100% confident and ready. And so I feel like in those COVID years, kind of the years after I left Colorado with Tampa Bay, I put in a lot of work on trying to improve my game. When even when we, we weren't even in season, we were just kind of like locked down. I had to get I had to be a better athlete. And uh, had to put in some work that kind of, I think, showed a couple years later. So I'm I'm thinking about that now. You know, putting in work for whenever an opportunity comes. To, you know, for for bigger chances. So, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a mental like toughness. You just got to keep building that mental callus and just you know, stay solid in your work ethic.
0: Another thing you just talked about there. You were with the Tampa Bay organization for a bit. When you go into a place like that. Andre Vasilevsky, there's a pretty good chance he's going to start the bulk of the games, right? Um, and, and so as you're trying to make a name for yourself and, and looking for that opportunity, I mean, sometimes you're going to get into a spot like that, right, where you're going to be behind a guy that you're like, look, unless something drastic happens, this guy's not moving out of this position.
2: Yeah, but, you know, like there's opportunity. Like I've, with the goalies that I've worked with in both like directly in the minors, I've worked with uh, Wedgwood, so um I've worked with Bennington in the summer a ton and just like grabbing from those guys or like a guy like Vassie obviously I I didn't play a game in Tampa but I was able to see him in practice uh, being on the taxi squad and just seeing some things I'm not going to be able to emulate perfectly but there's things to grab each you know step of the way from guys and uh you know now I'm working with Elvis and and uh even Jack Greaves in camp like there was a lot of things to to learn from and, and try to take something if you can
0: yeah and that uh, the Tampa stuff that was during COVID right so that was getting on that taxi squad when we were all getting back to play in August for the playoffs so that was a that had to be a a great experience for you there just because of the whole mindset of everybody's coming back and now guess what you're coming back and we're going to play playoffs right now
2: yeah yeah that I mean uh I mean what we're building here as far as culture like you get to see it um that was basically the golden standard of of what I got to experience from right up close, watching uh, you know how they went about their business every day. So uh, that
1: was really special. Got a couple of questions for you here, twofold. So the first one, we, you talk about getting better and you know in the offseason, etc. What do you do, especially for your mental game? Because uh, I love golf, I love goaltending, and I feel like there's a direct correlation between the two because. You know, I have a bad hole, bad first hole, and my game is going down. How do you, like example yesterday in the game, first shot a game goes in, how do you recover from that mentally, or what do you do in the off season? Do you have a mental coach? Like, what are the steps?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny you brought that up. Like, golf, I feel like I just got into golf during COVID, and I feel like it is the best direct correlation to, like, that – consistent focus over like a, hours of time because the game you know it's 60 minutes but it's really like it's a few hours of focus it's before the game and it's really you have to stay really even keel because like you make a great save goaltending is all about like eliminating your mistakes just kind of like golf so um yeah along the way i've learned just to try and stay as even keel as possible even though you know i love this game and it's fun to get up and down and uh, excited when it's going well but um i think that so, that's something that I learned in Vancouver, like it was my first experience being in the NHL. It's a big market. It was very exciting when I would have up moments. But I think that, uh, you know, coming in here, I'm focusing on uh, trying to stay level and, uh, you know, just just working on the process, 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 and basically just keep telling myself that because, uh, you know, I want to stay
1: consistent. How long does it take to get to that level? So I assume you're playing junior hockey in uh, the OHL, right? And you're the starting goalie for, like, let's say, three straight years. Then you turn pro, probably to start in the minors, and then you get to the NHL, you're a backup. And you see, you know, the number one goaltender is getting six games, and you're getting one. How easy is it to get caught up trying to do too much because you want to show everyone that you're worth it?
2: Yeah, it's tough, man. It's a grind. Like, uh, yeah, you step in at 20 years old, some guys are able to get it right away. I don't think I'm, I was one of those. Like, I, I think my – I have a lot of confidence in my ability but i feel like now that i'm at this point in my career i've ha- have doing a better job of you know being ready when called upon whether it's you know, a few hours before the game or whether it's like a plan started a week ahead you know whatever the situation is like being ready for that timing is is very important and it's uh it's a learned skill for me it didn't come naturally uh early in my pro career That's awesome.
0: I-, I think it's the toughest job in sports to be a backup goaltender for several reasons I mean, number one, guy gets hurt in the middle of the game, you've got to go in, like right now. And I know you came into the game where you were you had a luxury. You got notified during the intermission so you could get yourself ready and, and stretch a little bit. But if a guy gets hurt, you got to go in right away. It's not like a pitcher that goes down to the bullpen and gets warmed up, and then he's ready to go. you got to jump right in there. The other thing is, too, uh, like what John Luke was just saying here, if you're in some teams when you know you're only going to play X amount of games, but yet like you're expected to win every one of those games right it's like when the starter has a day off hey we still need wins so it's um you know i don't know if you put your the pressure on yourself that you have to be perfect but that's like that whole mindset from the outside everybody just you know it's like uh, hey you're going to play 16 games my goodness you better go 14 and 2
2: i mean yeah like i think one really important thing for me is that like building trust with your teammates through your practices and your work ethic and your in the gym like whatever it is like I, you can feel the vibe when your team trusts you and you go in there and it's like exciting to see this guy cuz he's been put, putting in the work you know so you can feel the difference whether they believe in you or not you know so these guys i feel like right away like they set up a situation and an environment for me to to feel that way so i felt that way in my you know, my first few starts, but also like getting back to your like win every game. I'm like prepared to fit. Like I'm mentally prepared to fail or succeed. I'm just going to do, you know, my job as best as I can. And then just it is what
1: it is. That's awesome.
0: I got to ask you, too, about the last start that you made against the Islanders. Low scoring game and you're playing very well. You look down at the other end, and there's Simeon Varlamov, and this guy's stopping everything. It's one of those nights where you know, kind of early on, you get the indication. The first couple saves he makes, you're like, "Oh boy, this is, uh, you know, this is going to be tough to get a goal." What's the mindset from a goaltender? Because is there like a game within a game? I know you're trying to stop every single shot, but now you see that other guy's down there. Do you do you ever have to like, "Hey, I got to ramp this up. I got to be even better because he's matching me save for save."
2: I mean, I think there's all kinds of things you can get caught up in like in a negative way and that way like, oh, my team's scoring a bunch of goals and I'm letting in a bunch of goals like this sucks or, uh, or the other way around where like I'm doing great and you know, we haven't scored here. Like you can take that for negative or positive but uh, right now Nick Backstrom's really done a good job in having me focus on one puck at a time and then the buzzer goes and it's like, it's unbelievable how I feel right now at the end of period sometimes I'm like, wow, that kind of flew by because I'm literally just focusing on one sequence at a time and uh but yeah i you know coming into playing the islanders you get saroka or varlamov you're expecting that type of goaltending
0: <laughs> you know you mentioned nick backstrom your goaltending coach here and i wanted to ask you you come from vancouver ian clark is there we had him here for a number of years so we know him uh from the outside ian clark and nicholas backstrom seem to be very different people like uh, Clarkey's is a little more vocal than Nick is around <laughs> us anyway, a little bit. A little bit. So, uh, but, but what is it, what is it like? What is the, from the coaching standpoint, um, you know, are there a lot of things that are the same there?
2: Actually, there's a lot different. There is yeah. definitely, there's definitely a huge difference, but at the same time, like Clarkey was perfect for me at the time that I came to Vancouver. He set a very rigid structure to my game that I think I needed and a compete level and professional. Like just intensity, and uh, Nick holds me to that standard as well, but also is helping me release like a confident, um, calmness to my game. I feel, and uh, so hopefully, I can continue that with him.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So two things that I, you know, as we're wrapping this up, two things that I noticed personally, you know, from playing a beer league, let's call it beer league, (laughs) adult league, because there are some ladies that play as well. So it's not man's league. uh, I can't wait to
0: hear what this question is based on the way you've set this up.
1: Okay. so first of all, goaltending is the one position that millions of people, whoever's watching the game knows that you made a mistake because there's a red light that lights up behind you. So that was the biggest, like, I was like, I never noticed that, because forwards and defensemen make mistakes all the time. But the battle thing that he was talking about, in men's league anyway, we love to talk to each other while the guys go to the bench in between periods to say, hey, you busy? Oh, yeah, your crease has no snow, etc." Do you ever talk to other goaltenders in the TV breaks or anything like that? Or is that something that you're like, you're so focused on your game that that is it? Yeah,
2: uh, well... Me and Elvis—it depends on the relationship you have with your goalie partner, I think, right? Or are you talking about with the opposing goalie? Opposing the, goalie, yeah. The we don't opposing, have a backup, the <laughs> opposing goalie, I'll stay away from. Like, I'm not trying. I'm not me. trying to get like he's so far away. Like that we don't really yep. like we're. It's not like we're going toe to toe. Right. Um. So I stay. So away it doesn't from feel that. like, but, like but, a real. But back. as far as like Elvis, just yeah. he's been unbelievable. Like coming to the bench and just uh, our relationship right away and how he's, you know, we feed off each other's energy and stuff um that's
1: been that's been really cool for me as you brought that up actually one more question excuse me so Elvis like game or is a net you're watching do you pick up some tendencies that you'll share with him and vice versa or whoever your goaltending partner is
2: for sure I think it happens even more naturally than you think like I don't think I'm going over and it's, it's, it's less asking questions and telling things it's it's more just like you know He's playing in the same system that we that I play, in when I get in the game, so I can see what kind of looks that he's he's getting. So, I can I can take from that.
0: Awesome. Well, Spencer, thank you very much for taking time for us today. It's uh, it's great to get some insight from you. It's great to get to you know you. To, to get to know you, I'm glad that the fans can hear a little bit more about you, and uh, we're glad to have you here. And best of luck to you if you. Uh, you getting to start this week? You don't know yet, right? We're not
2: gonna... I think we're uh, all game time decisions here, aren't we? <laughs> all game time. I all like that. Time. That's
0: the way we are too, right, John Luke? We're you know all game it. time decisions. I'm just waiting for a text. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, no call to you. Spencer, thank you very much. Good luck to you. Okay. Thank you, guys. That is Spencer Martin, Blue Jackets goaltender. Stay tuned. We'll continue with the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back. To the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank here on Halloween. It is scary. Jean-Luc Grandpierre and I are with you. Jean-Luc filling in for Jody Shelley, who's at the NHL Network. And I mean, would you choose to go to New York on your day off? And yeah, I guess you would.
1: (laughs) And you're getting paid for it. Yeah. Can't (laughs) blame him.
0: (laughs) No, not at all. Um, Spencer Martin. You know, you had said earlier in the show you can't wait to hear what he has to say, get a chance to figure out uh, who he is as a person, and he gave us a great insight to to him personally and to him as a goaltender. And it, it just sounds like boy, his mind is in the right place.
1: Absolutely, and you know, we talked a lot about the mental part of games because to me, that's the most interesting thing uh, with with especially backup goaltenders is that you never know when your name's going to be called upon. And you know, we didn't ask him that, but a lot of time you get. I don't want to say the worst game, but there's a back-to-back and typically you get the second game and you know that your team is tired and that's why I ask about is it hard not to try to do too much? And as a goaltender, you know that you want to eliminate the mistakes. So if you try to do too much, that's when you're flipping and flopping all over the crease. So it was a very interesting uh, conversation with him, and what a fantastic young man he is.
0: Yeah, he actually got lucky in the back-to-back, if you will, because remember, Elvis had been sick, and he wasn't fully ready to go when the Blue Jackets had that uh, Friday night home game and then the Saturday game in Minnesota the next day. So actually, he got the front end of that, which... (laughs) Never happens for never the backup happens. guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: never happens for the backup guy. And then uh, I believe uh, it was the backup for... No, actually, it was Markstrom that played that game, right? Yep. It was Markstrom, yep. yeah, because the backup played the first game. for Vladar right. played in Buffalo, so it was, uh, you know, he's faced Sorokin so far. No, Varlamov, and mm-hmm. then he faced uh, Markstrom, so a lot of uh, really good goaltenders, uh, but... You know what, for him, unfortunately, no goal support. In two of his three starts, <laughs> the Blue Jackets did not score a goal, so we should have asked him about that, you know, how hard is it when your team is not scoring in front of you?
0: Yeah, I have a, uh, I have a question here, and I'm, I'm interested in your answer to this, and I need a little little effect here first. We, this will do. Nicholas Vanell sent me this question on X. What was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid?
1: Well, Nicholas, I'm just thinking about it right now, and only one can come to mind right now was Ghostbusters. Oh, I just aged myself. (laughs) Me and my cousin were the Ghostbuster guys uh, one year, and I had the tank on my back with everything, and, uh, yeah, that was definitely the one and only I can remember, so probably my best one.
0: The one that I was most excited about as a kid was Darth Vader one year. And, it like, this is back when I remember the... um, the costumes with the plastic masks. Yes. The ones that you would put on and they would like just cut the inside of your eye, right, in the corner. And that that long ago, it wasn't like a cool Darth Vader. Like this is like I was a kid and I was just ecstatic and my grandmother bought me the costume I wanted because, you know, I you know, I, I was used to be spoiled a little bit there. And so I was at her place and I wanted that and and I got it. That that was the costume I was the most excited. About wearing, I probably still have scars here, right on the corner of my probably. eye. From the, <laughs> the
1: today, little... that'd be a lawsuit.
0: I know, right? I know, <laughs> couldn't breathe in those things for crying out loud. Choking you're hazard. Walking down the street, you're trying to, <laughs> you're trying to breathe and get candy and see, and they were dangerous as all could be. So, uh, so Nicholas, that's our answer for um, favorite Halloween costumes. Nicholas also wants to know why are sophomore slumps a thing in hockey? Uh, Cole went through it last year. And it, it looks like. Uh, according to him that Kent Johnson and Kirill Marchenko are maybe going through one two it's only nine games i, I i'm not going to saddle that on them right now but it it's not just hockey i mean this is something that is talked about in all of sports that second year especially when you've had very good success in year one
1: yeah absolutely and i cannot think of a real reason for it all i know is like when you first enter into a new league whether it's major league baseball nhl nba there's a uh, there's a transition period where you have to get used to the game, et cetera. And then typically you start slow, finish hot, then the next season starts again, and then you're like, you remember what you need to do, but if it's not going your way, now you're starting to squeeze your stick a little bit, like Johnny Goudreau is right now, and it's not a sophomore slump, but if it was a second-year player, people would be talking about it. So it happens to more players than you think. It just happened that sometime on the second year there's more emphasis on it because everybody knows about that situation that is called the sophomore slump. That's all I have.
0: Well, that's good. I like it. You sold me on it, so oh, I believe you, you. All right, here's a uh, question from Cooper, and Cooper says, is Jack Roslovic's newfound success because of his increase in meaningful minutes or because he's playing with better players? I, I, In some ways, I would say both, but the minutes, he's getting the minutes because of the way he's playing.
1: Yeah, and there I'm giving a lot of credit to, uh, to uh, Jack Roslevich directly because and that's something I want to ask Pascal Vincent is I wonder if him playing with Sean Corrali for like two or three games and seeing how simple Sean Corrali plays the game helped him because now he's on the wing, doesn't have to puck on his stick as often, especially in the defensive zone. But even when he has it now, he seems to do the simple right decision instead of risking that back end through the middle, he'll put it on the board playing more simple, and in the offensive zone, the talent is there. That's when I want you to take chances. But inside the blue line, offensively and defensively, he doesn't make those mistakes anymore. So to me, right now, it's almost like a crash course in how to play the game simple. And him playing with Corrali for those three, four games, I think really helped him.
0: I always say that if you need somebody to get their game worked out, put them with Sean Corrali because it just happens. Right, right, right. Right? And it's what you're talking about. It's that simplicity and just... It's kind of a reminder, right?
1: Yeah, a reminder that you don't need to be a hero every time the puck is on your stick.
0: All right, uh, before we close out the show, uh, we usually talk about things going on in the NHL in this segment, and there's there's something going on in hockey right now. Adam Johnson, who's a former NHL player, uh, played in Pittsburgh. He, he died this week playing in a game over in England. He got cut with a skate blade and uh, passed away. There is a lot of emphasis now being put on safety precautions and more protective gear, and more specifically, neck guards. Young players all wear neck guards. You get to a certain age, everybody wants to ditch the neck guard, right? Um, This is a reminder, and it's a very unfortunate reminder, that even though these accidents hardly ever happen, they still do happen. And this time, this time it was fatal. So that's why it's grabbing a lot of attention. The NHL has talked to the Players Association. What do you think? Should net guards become something that is standard in the league?
1: I think it will be. It's uh, just a matter of time. And you can go back in history, and when nobody wore helmets, and then now everybody has a helmet. Then they have a visor. Who would have thought that every single NHL player would have a visor and be you know would have to wear it? Then that thing the netting around the the ice rink, right? It, the incident in Columbus happens, and then now it's around the league. We don't even think about it anymore. You know. We're going to leave here, the studio, we're going to get in our car, put our seatbelt on. You know, 20 years ago, it was not the way. So just like those, I think it's unfortunate that we had to wait for an accident to happen. And although it's extremely rare, it's a simple fix. So I believe in due t- time, it's going to happen. It's going to be grandfathered in. So... You know, Sidney Crosby and all the players on the Blue Jackets will have the option to wear it now, but the new players eventually will have to wear it. It will be mandatory.
0: And by the way, I really did like and respect what the Pittsburgh Penguins did when they honored Adam Johnson. You normally have a moment of silence. They instead encouraged their crowd to give one more standing ovation, round of applause to Adam Johnson. And I, I, I thought that was... That was pretty classy because uh, you're so used to that moment of silence. It was different, and I think it was well-deserved.
1: Yeah, it was It was really a beautiful moment. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks and the Pittsburgh Penguins were arm in arm around the center ice there. It was a beautiful scene, sad scene, uh, one that you don't necessarily uh, want to see, uh, that's for sure. But, the, you know, to go back to the safety of it, uh, you know, I encourage everybody that to wear them. It, it doesn't matter if you play in an adult league. Uh, I mean, it's it's such a simple fix. It's a cheap fix. And the materials today are so flexible. You know, Kevlar, it's so sh- flexible and light. You're not going to feel it. Trust me, you're not going to see a difference. So why not?
0: I feel like it's one of those pieces of equipment that as kids, you get to a certain age and you can't wait to take it off because now it looks like you're you're more of an adult. You're more graduated, if you will. Right. Is, and I know that sounds that may sound silly to you. But I remember the kids couldn't wait to get those things off. Once it was no longer mandatory, they couldn't wait to get them off because it was like, I've moved on. I'm a I'm a big boy now.
1: Well, it's a cool factor, first of all. And it's also a, uh, you know, look at me. I'm a man now, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I still remember when I turned pro, I couldn't wait to take my visor off and there was really no reason for it. I took it off, but once you take it off, you can't put it back in because now you're afraid of judgment, right? Mm-hmm. So for, for, the net, for the neck care protection, I think it's the same thing. Uh, you know, you get out junior, and now you're a pro. You don't need to wear it, so why wear it if you're not required to wear it? So I think it's up to the NHL PA and the league to put that in place, and it's just going to be like everything else you'll get used to it because you have to wear it for your
0: own safety. Absolutely, and that is the point. The safety factor, and that's why I agree with you. I think we're going to see it. Jean-Luc, thank you so much for sitting in tonight. Really appreciate it, so uh, hurry up, get back home, and give out whatever candy's left. Don't eat
1: it all. I will not, but thanks for having me, and do the same.
0: All right, that sounds good. That is Jean-Luc Rampierre. We'd also like to thank uh, Spencer Martin for joining us on tonight's show. That's going to do it for the Inside Edge. Oh, by the way, we did go a day early on this week's show because the Columbus crew has a playoff game tomorrow night. So we want to wish uh, good luck to the crew in the playoff game. The Blue Jackets are back on home ice on Thursday night, 7 o'clock. The Tampa Bay Lightning is in town. You can get your tickets by going to BlueJackets.com. For Jean-Luc Rampierre, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long and thanks for listening to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan.